Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Whiskey Talk from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'm Richard Gosselin, editor of the Society's members magazine, Unfiltered. Throughout the course of this year, we're going to be focusing on game-changing moments, not only in the world of whiskey, but in the wider world. And when you can lay claim to setting up your country's first ever perfume house, that definitely falls within the game-changing camp. Imogen Russ and Taylor started out working in whisky before her nose led her to explore the possibility of creating her own perfumes. After a period of in-depth research, she launched Scotland's first ever perfume house, known as Kingdom. Our very own Mad Schmall from the SMWS caught up online with Imogen to explore the subject of scent memories, being inspired by the Scotch Malt Whisky Society, and why a splash of perfume can enhance our mood whether we're able to leave the house or not. She began by asking Imogen about how she made the transition from whisky into the world of perfume. I worked in the whisky industry for many years. Um, on my nose, and um, I think the way I nose and taste whiskies has been a massive um, inspiration um, for me. And I think it's quite different for somebody working in the perfume industry to have their nose trained in the drinks industry. Because um, it is, there's lots of similarities, there's lots of parallels, but um, I think I've just approached it from a slightly different route. Um, so I worked in the whiskey industry and communications and brand um, for many years. And I'd worked with um, the Shivers portfolio. I'd worked with the Edgington Group and their portfolio and Glenmorangie and Ardbeg. Um, as well so quite a lot of great malt whiskies and and a, a, a collection of blends as well so and I, I worked that from right from the age of 25 onwards so I think when you're sort of developing your palate um, in terms of alcohol in terms of more epicurean delights it was a good time in my life um, mm -hmm. to introduce me to the complexity and the layers that you get in a fine whiskey um, and I think that stayed with me forever. And um, I created a perfume house in, um, I set up the business in 2016. And it took me two years of research until I actually released my first perfumes. Um, and I spent a long time ensuring that they had layers and complexity. Um, and I suppose that similarity to to a fine whiskey when it reveals over time and takes an element of intelligence to actually really appreciate it. I think my perfumes echo that skill very much. Well, <laughs> I mean, this year for, for the society, it's really the year of the game changer. Um, and when I looked at kind of what you'd set up with Kingdom, um, what you've done with, with Scottish perfume has really changed the game um, so I wondered, you said it took you two years to release your first perfume, yeah. but in terms of, of creating Scotland's first perfume house, um, how did you, how did you start on that journey? Um, how did you, how did you decide that this is what Scotland needed? <laughs> I think, well, I'd, it was interesting when I worked with, um, Glenmorangie and Ardbeg, when it was um, LVMH at Mert Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, one of the first things they did when I started the role, I was head of global brand communications, and they sent me to um, different maisons within the group. And one of the maisons was Guerlain, which is an amazing 
French historic mm-hmm. perfume house. And wow, it, that, that was an incredible experience. I saw immediately lots of parallels between the worlds of whiskey and perfume. And um, just the way that the nose, it was Thierry Vassa, who is known as a bit of a Mozart of fragrance. Um, He was such an incredible nose, but I saw the parallels with master distillers and I was working with Dr. Bill Lumsden at the time and I could see so many parallels between the nose and uh, a master distiller that 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 sort of really influenced me. So that's when the idea was like a seed of an idea and then started thinking, gosh, I wonder what the Scottish perfume houses are and I couldn't think of any Scottish perfume houses. I, I just assumed there would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, I could think of English ones such as Penhaligon, such as Floris, who used to make perfumes for Queen Victoria, and lots of French like Guerlain, um, Annick Goutel. I could think of lots of them from different European countries, but I couldn't think of a Scottish one. So the first thing I did in 2016 was I worked with Scottish Enterprise, and they have um, – a department called Interface, which is a conduit between academia and um, entrepreneurs. And I managed to get St Andrews University History Department on board. And we researched into Scotland's perfume past. And I thought they'd be able to illuminate perfumeries, the whole world of perfumes. We did this fantastic project with the history department there. And that was where they delved into the National Records, the National Library of Scotland. Um, We went through historical records to find, at first I thought, you know, I would be able to bring back to life a Scottish perfume house that perhaps existed in the era of Penhaligons and Floris, um, because I thought there must be one, you know, the way that Queen Victoria loved Scotland, just thought there would have been there would have been one, um, and they couldn't find one. And they just said, um, we can find chemists selling toilet waters and selling perfumes from different countries, but we can't find a Scottish brand. We can't find a Scottish perfume house in that classic tradition that we're talking about with florists and Penhaligons and Guerlain. Um, you can say that you are the first Scottish perfume house, um, which was amazing. And then I had another three months of them to work on, on my project. And we said, well, we need to divert the research. So we started to then look at ingredients and stories. And we went to the Royal Botanical Gardens in Edinburgh, which is one of the oldest botanical gardens in the world and has a fantastic archive and library. So we worked with the researchers there to look at Scotland's perfume past. And we had a look at botanists and pioneering plant hunters um, to to get stories of ingredients. And we also looked more historically in some of the national records to look at um, historical Scottish figures and how they worked and used scent in their lives. So there's a huge amount of stories that I have in my archive now ready to reveal in different stories of scent and activations that I'm going to bring to life. Scotland has such an amazing heritage, has wonderful luxury brands in the worlds of whiskey, cashmere, fabrics, textiles, um, foods. And I just thought, why doesn't it have a perfume house? It deserves a perfume house of of quality and beauty. So that's that's what I've set out to do with Kingdom. I noticed when I was reading through the stories of some of your perfumes um, that Scotland is quite a powerful force and that really comes through. Um, but I'm also curious as to how you use memory and mood and scent, because I think they're, they're, they're worlds that are quite linked in whiskey already. 
Um, but I think as well in your perfumes. So it'd be good to to hear a bit more about that process and, and how you use and play about with those. I think, I mean, scent is, as of all our senses, is so um, embedded in our memory. And it's it's everybody's memory and scent memory is, is very, very different. It's very, very personal. So I think I've come to the conclusion that our sense of smell is almost a bit of our sense of self. Um, it depends where you've been brought up in the world geographically. Your scent profile will have been defined from a very, very young age um, as to what memories it triggers. Also, in what order you smell things, in what prominence you smell things. I think people smell things in different orders as to what they're more used to. Um, so so I think that that is, is really, really powerful. And I think that sense of memory you know when everyone has it when it triggers you know you might smell a perfume um for me chanel number five triggers memories my grandmother bought it for me for my 21st and it triggers a time in my life um when i was at university and i was growing up really and it, and it that that has a really specific memory for me and also the perfumes that my mother or my grandmother wore when when i was a little girl um, they trigger memories and times and places. And I think I've tried to create that with my perfume. So it's, it, it is very personal, the whole sense of smell. But I think there's a collective cultural experience of Scotland. And some in my first debut collection, um, I have a perfume called Portal, which is... Um, very much a scent memory I have. Um, I have some family that have a, a lovely place in Ardnamurkin, which is a very remote, on the remote west coast, um, and has beautiful ancient Caledonian woodland. And I used to spend half terms and Easters and climb trees as a child. And that is very much a scent memory for me. But I know it's quite a collective scent memory. I know a lot of people have the the a memory of walking in a beautiful Scottish forest that's very dense, that's very green, that's full of mosses, herbs, every shade of green, of uh, quite verdant. Um, if you think of the canopy of a spring day with the sun coming through the top layers, but there might be Scots pine, there might be native rowans or lots of different barks and woods and uh, roots. And I think that collective cultural memory has worked really well in Portal because it brings that moment to life and it's very fresh and inspiring. Um, so that's that's one of my perfumes and that's how I've used one of my personal scent memories um, and created it into a scent that many people enjoy. I'm curious, actually, if if you have any any kind of scent memories with whiskey, the other way around, um, certain whiskies that have memories for you that then have maybe... Um, come out sort of in your in your perfumes as you've been creating them um I, I mean metamorphic which is in my debut collection is a big scent memory for me because it's um it's I mean it's a very complex scent memory but I think from whiskey for me some of the most powerful um experiences were it, it's the barrels the beautiful staves, when you smell the staves, when they've been infused with whiskey, or even when they're fresh. I mean, I, I, I conducted a press trip to the Ozark Mountains to see some of the first, the, the American white oak casks being created. Um, it was part of Jack Daniels. Um, and we went to the, the Jack Daniels um, 
where they, where they were creating all of the cooperage. And it was incredible to see and smell the firing and the charring of, of the wood and the oak. And then the oak, it's air-seasoned white oak, which is seasoning it in the outdoors, in the environment, and just smelling the freshness of that as well. Um, and then how that results in the whiskey. I think that was that's something that's the, the wood has really really sort of impacted me and the impact of wood in whiskey and you get the most beautiful woody resin notes within perfumes and those are the notes that I really love they tend to be base notes they tend to be very long lasting and they tend to be very evocative with memory so I think wood notes for me um, with whiskey have really sort of traveled through into my perfumes Um, and metamorphic is an interesting one because um, whilst I mean you know, I talked about it being my life experience. I call it metamorphic. I did geology and geography at university in Edinburgh. Um, so I'm, it, that's part of an inspiration for me as well. So whilst this is, is about celebrating a very complex rock, which is woven through the Scottish landscape, um, it also has a nod to West Coast Island whiskies, to peated malts. Um, so it has an element of peat and heat and smoulderingness. Um that's brought to life. Um, I, I call it an island malt note. It's an accord which we've created at the heart of metamorphic. Um, so I think those are the sort of things that come from whiskey that have stayed with me and then come to life in my perfumes. Mm-hmm. And in Portal, interestingly, in um, in the opening notes is actually a new make spirit accord, mm-hmm. which you would only know if you're a connoisseur. Um, but it's very much, it's, um, you know, the sort of the esters you get with New Make Spirit that are very fresh and outdoor. There's a very touch of that in the opening of, of Portal, um, which I know is there and gives me great pleasure to find. Um, but it is, it's, it's very complex as well because it's a, it's a forest-inspired perfume. But so I, th- I think whiskey is very much part of my inspiration. So uh, let's say a whiskey drinker is kind of wanting to approach perfume um, do you have any tips there? Because obviously the society would usually recommend you you kind of you nose it, you try it neat, you add a bit of water and then you try it, you nose it with water and then try it with water. Is is there an equivalent in perfume? Obviously not tasting, but um, in terms <laughs> of experiencing those aromas and, and how, how we could better experience those aromas? Well, I think a lot of it is is you you have to take your time. You really do have to sort of try and wipe out all other distractions. In some ways, this is in the world of mindfulness, um, you know, where you try and try and ignore all your other senses and try and get yourself into a quiet, calm place and really concentrate through um, nosing a scent. And uh, one of the things as well is, is the way you have top, mid and base notes within a perfume, um, you really do have to give it time. And the top notes are the most you have this obviously when you know a whiskey are the most um that they disperse the most quickly then the most sort of evocative notes that are um it with that you get right at the start of a perfume um and they disappear probably after about 10 minutes to half an hour and then you get to the heart notes so you have to i think you have to leave a perfume and go back to it and smell it at different times and I always talk about with perfume, which is quite different to whiskey, the last ingredient is your skin. 
and everybody's skin has because my um, perfumes I use the finest oils and a lot of naturals um, they will react differently you know they will smell different on different people's skin um, and that will be according to your moisture level according to what you've eaten your hormones um, lots of lots of different reasons why perfumes smell slightly different on different people um, and so so I think that the time and trying things on paper but as well on your skin and going back to things and revisiting them I think is 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 really important so I think um, it's more of you have to engage your mind with it okay and would you recommend then that um, that you spray it on your wrist or is it better to spray it on a bit of paper if you're wanting to kind of start exploring the world? Of I, I think, yeah, I think to start on a, on a bit of absorbent paper, like a blotting paper, is a, is a good place to start. But it will smell quite different on the skin. You always, if you like something, always try it on your skin because that's when it will really reveal um, and you'll smell what it's like on your skin and live with it for 24 hours, 48 hours. L allow the, the scent to, to meld with your own person. I think that's what's quite important. But you can get a lot from smelling a scent on a, on a, on a piece of paper, but it's not, yeah, it's not quite the same as, as the skin. And in terms of, of creating your perfumes, you've kind of already said that you you like to go back and look at the history of, of different characters in Scotland's past. Um, <clears throat> but how do you, if you have an idea for a perfume, what is the, what's the first thing you do? How do you get started at the very beginning? I, you know what I love? Pinterest. <laughs> I start with Pinterest. I have the most ridiculous amount of boards on Pinterest. I think I'm quite a visual person. Um, and so I very much start with images um, and I'll have a concept and an idea and then I'll start exploring it through images and then sometimes through prose, words, language, and I'll create a mood board. Um, that will be the starting point of, of, of ascent. And then I'll start researching um, whatever would be relevant for that. Um, the most recent perfume I did with the Royal Botanical Gardens in Edinburgh, we did a perfume to celebrate their 350 years, which is incredible amount of time. Um, and that was a huge amount of research. That again took 18 months of research to delve into their archives and into their herbarium, actually into live samples as well. They've got living samples in, in lots of the glass houses. And I spoke to lots of people. I spoke to botanists, I spoke to gardeners, I spoke to horticulturalists, historians. I mean, it's almost approaching scent as a history project, but also as art. So, um, yeah, I, I do. It's, it's quite an intense process and, and I love it. It's really interesting. And in terms of, of the language that you use, um, I think there's probably also quite a fair few similarities between the language that's used to describe whiskey and the language that's used to describe perfume. So I'd be keen to hear a bit more about um, the, the language that you use in your, your everyday works. I mean, the way I talk about Kingdom Scotland, the brand is that it's a timeless realm explored in scent. Create, I create evocative, modern, gender-inclusive sense. And everything that I um, speak about in terms of um, the transporting, it is storytelling, really. I think um, I tell a story on, on what the scent is about and it's, it's how it reveals and what, what it's, it's trying to depict and bring to life. 
Um, but in terms of the actual ingredients, there is quite a difference there. That, that's one of the things. I think um, the language of perfume is, is more complex and there are more there's many more names and notes that one would use, hundreds of thousands of different notes. Um, I do group them and talk about accords, which are not individual notes as well. Um, and it's interesting. I think I've been very inspired by the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society because the way you describe your whiskies and you've worked with poets, you've worked with writers, um, it is very, very evocative. And the language is, is much more akin to prose. Um, and I think there's a there's a similarity between our two, the two ways that we work to do that, because a lot of, um, for example, when you go to a general whiskey tasting and perhaps the brand ambassador has the kit, you know, you get these aroma kits in whiskey. They're very simple. You know, you're talking about citrus. There's one citrus note, whereas in perfume, there's so many different ways to describe citrus. It could be from the point of um, bergamot or it could be. Neroli, it could be Clementine, you know, there's so many different aspects of citrus that um, are much more complex. So I think that the language of perfume is is more complex, it's much more, it's much more multifaceted. Um, but you do that very well anyway. You you go beyond the normal whiskey language. Well, I think you mentioned as well when we were first catching up that it takes uh, 18 years to become a master perfumer. Um, and that you also need a master's in chemistry. So there's quite a lot of, of learning of scent there and, and what those notes are and how to identify them, I'm guessing. Yes, I mean, it's incredible. So to be to be classically trained as a perfumer, you start off with a chemistry degree. Then you would have, um, you, yeah, you do a chemistry master's and then you start delving into the world of aromas. Um, so with some of the, the the companies that do train people, they give them, 15 years worth worth of training before they really let them go onto the fine perfumery world they'll be they'll work with different ingredients they'll work with different perfumers they'll work as um they'll work as proteges underneath master perfumers and to be a master perfumer is an accolade it's it's um it doesn't necessarily take 18 years you might never make it you have to have created something quite groundbreaking in the world of perfumery, something quite different, something very memorable that has had accolade. Mm -hmm. um, and you need, yes, so not everybody is a master perfumer. It's quite distinguished to be a master perfumer. So it's, it's a life's work to be a perfumer. It, it really is a, um, a, a trade and an apprenticeship that you have to, to go through. And I'm very lucky. I've worked with some incredible perfumers that have been tutored by some of the, the Scottish perfumers who've been tutored by um, the best perfumers in the world, which is very exciting. And how do you, when you are sitting there um, and you have all of these aromas to choose from, how do you go about choosing them? I suppose you, you have to follow your gut and find out what feels right. Um, and it can take a long time. So, for example, with um, Kingdom Botanica, the perfume I was mentioning with um, the Royal Botanical Gardens, there was I had a very, very intense brief on that. I knew exactly what notes I wanted. I knew exactly what feeling I wanted from it. And we made that very, very quickly. We didn't have lots of modifications. We probably had seven or eight modifications on that. However, with something such as Portal or Metamorphic or Albora, we went into the 70, 80 different modifications. 
till we got happy with it. It's it's one of those difficult things, you know. I mentioned about pro- approaching centres art. I I think sometimes I find it quite hard to put the paintbrush down because you could tinker and change and alter facets of a scent forever so sometimes you just have to get a deadline and stop yourself (laughs) but but you do follow your gut you have to follow what feels right Um, I have scent panels as well where I will um, a lot of friends and people that I've worked with through the through the years um, who love doing it and we'll get together um, and gosh this is probably pre-covid times but we would get together and um I'd, I'd love to see what other people's views were of the modifications. And often I'd do it blind. I wouldn't tell them what they were smelling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's quite good. I, I think it's, it's one of these things. It's, it's really hard to identify something, a smell if you don't, or an aroma, if you don't know what it is, sometimes you'll get, you'll get it immediately. And I find from myself, at least that that's quite often linked to memory um, and, and mood as well. And one of the ideas that we're looking at um, in this issue of Unfiltered is this idea of of changing the mood with, with Valentine's Day and and February in general. And I think scent is one of those things that, that really can very quickly change a mood. Gosh, I, I, it really can. And I think um, in the times that we have now, a lot of people have used home scent to change the mood. So the sales of candles and diffusers have really really gone through the roof and what I found which is interesting and people sort of emailing me as well about my perfumes is they've bought them um for a a lip for something uplifting something that transports them and so perhaps maybe they're having um a day when they're not feeling so happy and they're feeling they're missing their family or they're missing a place or a memory, then perhaps that memory was created in Scotland. They want to smell something that's in from that world that's really sort of mood altering. Um, but also people say they've been wearing perfume. They might be wearing tracksuits. They might be wearing pajama bottoms and then the shirt on top to do their Zoom. Um, <laughs> but they'll put perfume on because it will give them the edge and they'll feel, right, I'm in work mode or right, I'm in confident mode, right, I feel I feel good. So people are using scent perhaps in a bit of a different mood-altering way during these times. A fascinating insight into the world of perfume and many thanks to Imogen and Mads for that beautifully scented whiskey talk. You can read much more about Imogen and other game changers in the Society's Members magazine available online at smws.com slash unfiltered with a new issue out on the first Friday of every month. Until the next time, cheers. Cheers.